Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. Still 10 points clear at the top of the championship. And that's all that matters, isn't it, Mark Donaldson? (laughs) Where to begin with this one? So the last time we spoke to you, we didn't mention any football. It was one of the the more fun episodes of the season. It was... uh, it was with John Colhoun, and it was uh, Colhoun. It was the twenty. Colhoun. I said John Colhoun. I got it right now. It was the twenty-second of March. Still in there, I think. It's, uh, okay. it's, a, it's a soft, violent <laughs> one. Um, and yeah, we'd come off the back of another kind of uh, result, but since then, what ten days since then, it's a dumpster fire. And we're going to tackle everything today. Indeed. I am Laurie Dunsire and uh, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. No John Cahoon this week. And I am, of course, joking. The 10-point lead that Hearts now have at the top of the championship is is not all that matters. And we will tackle as much as we can of uh, everything else. It's been yeah a very eventful week and a half since we last spoke on this podcast. And yeah, we've <laughs> we've not really set out a very structured plan about how we're going to tackle this, so it could be interesting. Okay, first up, let me start with an email we received, which covers some of the things that we are going to tackle anyway, and I, I do like to read the emails um, when we get them. Interestingly, Kelman Chambers, uh, who sent the email, he actually sent two emails, thank you, he sent the first email after the Brora Rangers game and then had a little follow-up, I think, after the Queen of the South game. So I'll read this through first of all. So this is from Kelman. Hi, guys. Would be interested to hear your thoughts on the current situation. I've slept on last night's result. So this is in reference to Brora. So this isn't a knee-jerk reaction, and anyone that knows me will be aware that I'm not in favour of chopping and changing managers after every poor result. But I think we need to act. We now have four draws and a loss in our last seven matches. Even in the top league, I'd struggle with this. But in the championship and playing a non-league club who have had one competitive match and five training sessions this year, these stats are horrendous. Having followed uh, Hearts from the late 70s and seen the yo-yo years, including losing at home to Forfar in the Cup on my 16th birthday, what a way to spoil it, Hearts, I thought the bad days were well behind us. I'm not so sure now. When Robbie Nielsen came in, I think most of us accepted the appointment as pragmatic and hoped our team would be at least a little entertaining. While we were getting results, we were all willing to accept us grinding out those results, or at least most of us were. This season, on many occasions, we've been subjected to the football version of Prozac. Make no mistake, this is largely Robbie's team, and the players he inherited, Smith, Halkett, Irving, Boyce, Walker, Naismith, have usually been the better players. His recruitment has been poor, uh, and he puts in brackets, I'm being generous. Five wingers and only one, the only decent one gets injured, Popescu, Halliday, then the jury's still out on Nongdwie and Makineff. His only noticeable successes have been Craig Gordon, and it's hardly difficult to identify and sign him, and Kingsley, who has faded a little. Is his time up? I think it is, and he's only been lucky that they've been playing in empty stadia. Uh, Sorry for the long email, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Kelman, 
and he very um, quickly gave us a follow-up, which just added, um, I'll promise I'll keep this one short. Uh, these players are much better than they're showing. Has Robbie lost the dressing room? Regards, Kelman. So the first one was in reaction to Brora and an overall um, overall feeling about how things are from Kelman. And I think the second one is maybe just an added point from the Queen of the South performance. So I think, Mark, it's good to see these because... I'm going to come at this from approach maybe similar to Kelman. I'm not someone who ha- has been against Robbie f- for the majority of this campaign. And very, you know, we had Robbie Nielsen on this show. You know him better than I do. Um, I, I was, I would say, I was overjoyed, but I saw the reasoning behind getting Robbie Nielsen back. I thought he spoke very well to us and uh, in other outlets as well. Um, and we've had some blips, and we've 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 discussed that, and we were. We've, I guess we've we've looked at the positives where possible. There's been mitigating circumstances, um, but a lot of fans have got to the point where Kelman is at, where even I, I still feel like there was a majority for for a lot of the season would have at least been willing to give him time. Not necessarily they were fully behind him, but they weren't at the point of at breaking point. But it has got to that point now, um, and I'll let you cut. It's probably one where I'm better to kind of offload. What I've, what I think after Kelman's email as well, and I'll kind of let you come back in with some things. I mean, that's the first defeat to a non-league side since 1900. So it was a Scottish Cup semi against Queens Park 121 years ago, um, and the winner was scored by Robert Smith McCall, who founded a newsagent uh, a, a year later. R.S. McCall, just for pointless bit of trivia, the kind of things that. <laughs> really? Is that, is yes, that I couldn't. I couldn't That's resist. A good old bit of trivia. Yeah, I've read that before, but I hadn't realised he'd scored a winner against us before. Um, first defeat in our history to Alloa, um, ever. Obviously, in the Betfred Cup this year, part-time Alloa. We got our first home defeat against Raith Rovers in 90, since 1993. You could say Morton got their first result at Tyne Castle since '84, although they haven't played us an awful lot. But Queen of the South have played us more than 20 times since their last win against us. So now they've got their first win against us since 1963. Two wins in our last eight games. And I was looking at our, you know, since the turn of the year, 14 games since the turn of the year. And I would probably say there's been one performance that I've been impressed by us. And that was our win away to Wraith Rovers. Brora was bad, many would say. That result in itself is is a sackable offence, so to speak. To not get a reaction against Queen of the South, in some ways, maybe more telling, even worse. I've got a few more things I'm going to go into, but I don't want to make it hugely one-sided initially. What, where are you at after mm. after the last 10 days or so? The first thing I want to say is I think it's important, despite the affiliation that I have with Robbie, that you see both sides of the story. Because... This is where it gets difficult in, 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 in journalism, or it could get difficult. It shouldn't, but it could, in that there's a whole lot of kind of best pals act. I'm not Robbie's best pal. I, I, he's got many, many more friends. Um, I'm nowhere near that. I'm an acquaintance of, uh, of Robbie, and I can message him, and, and he'll get back to me. So in journalism... At the moment, anyway. <laughs> well, he did at the weekend after that game. Um, at the moment in journalism, there are those who go after a, a kind of scattergun gun approach, um, regardless if they're pals or whatever. And there are those that just, doesn't matter what happens, they're going to stick with their pal. 
Okay, I think it's important that we look at both sides of the story. So, um, what have we had this season? We've had performances that haven't been good enough. We've had six of the lineup against Queen of the South brought to the football club by Robbie. Stuart, Popescu, Halliday, McInef, Gary McKay-Steven and Nondouillet. We've had a lack of response to one of the worst, if not the worst, result in our history. We've had a young, talented midfielder scoring an own goal and not one player going near him afterwards and say, come on, it's OK, we'll pick it up, let's finish strongly. We've also had at the weekend an assistant referee's flag which, upon seeing it again, was probably erroneous, that denied us an equaliser, which, regardless if it had been deserved or not, I think ultimately would have papered over the cracks. We've seen an outpouring of anger since the broader game and culminating in the Queen of the South game. And together, we've seen the Foundation of Hearts be bombarded with emails. And I want to read the Foundation of Hearts. I, like many others, are... Uh, we put money in every single month. So for those that aren't members of the Foundation of Hearts, for whatever reason, you will not have received this email. So I, I, I will read out that email as we go on. So what else have we seen this season um, as a Robbie Nielsen side? I, I think we've we've seen stubbornness from a coach who had an idea about a formation that he wanted to play. And ultimately, through injury and lack of form, it didn't really work out and a kind of reactive rather than a proactive nature of changing things, hence an element of the stubbornness. On the other hand, we've seen a coach that's getting really, really frustrated at what he's having to deal with. We're seeing a coach that knows several of these players aren't going to be anywhere near Tynecastle next season. And we're seeing a coach that is planning for the start of next season, minus these players, but still in his position at Hearts. So there's a lot going on there with the fact that Robbie hasn't done his job well enough this season. However, I think there are three things in play here, and I'm going to I'm going to order them by way of importance at this football club. Players don't get fired after a bad result. Managers do. That's that's not Robbie Nielsen. That's everywhere. That's that you sign up for it. Robbie has said that. He sign up for that. And an interesting thing he said today in his pre-match press conference for the game at the weekend, he said, if we weren't getting the level of scrutiny and the level of anger, you'd be kind of questioning, well, what, what actually does it mean? I think I've not prepared anything for this because I wanted it to be just on the back of, of your questions. I, the thing that got me against Queen of the South and brought her to an, an extent as well is an evident lack of compassion, caring for what that badge means. If we had 11 yeah. players on the park that showed the same, not anger, but the same emotion and were as deeply involved in the football club as every Hearts fan is, I don't think we would be in the predicament that we're in. I loathe to use the word cowards because I, I think that's unfair. There are various reasons why certain players are, are not performing. And that, that's a personal thing. For them, others could use that word. It's just not been good enough for a lot of those players um, this season, and it's it's shameful in in some instances. Uh, it was quiet at the weekend. I mean, normally you hear the players talking, shouting, 
uh, mm-hmm. at Tyne Castle when you and Jimmy are, are commentating. To be honest, Laurie, your voice and Jimmy's voice were probably the only two voices I heard. There's no, there, there's, it's rudderless. There's a lack of leadership, and that's not all to do with the players. That comes from from above. Mm-hmm. That comes from the coaching staff. But this is where I want to be. The three things in order of importance that must change at this football club. I'm going to give you the main one, and that's the structure of the football club. There's too many people in there who are still there from when I was at Radio 4th, and I've been in this country for 10 and a half years. And after leaving Radio 4th, I was still at Talk 107, and then I went to Sky Sports News, right? So there are people I was dealing with in the early 2000s that are still at that football club, okay? Now, I'm going to kind of go for a scattergun approach because I think it has to be said. I, I think credibility is a thing. You can't just come out and say, oh, because because he's my pal. I'm, I'm No. John Murray is someone who I liked when I was there. But how many times is this going to keep going with no results for him to be able to justify, oh, but it's working? It's not working. Roger Arna. I don't know what he does on a daily basis. Um, he is in charge of, of the academy. But again, it's not working. The problem that we have here, Laurie, is there's a lot of things I don't know about the football club being Mm -hmm. here, but there's also a lot of things that a lot of fans, most fans don't know about the football club, the way it's run behind the scenes, what the atmosphere is like in the office. We don't know that. Only people who work there know that. And we are assuming we've heard something, so it must be true. There's a lot of people out there that have got an idea about what to do now. Sack the manager, get rid of Ann Budge. These are people who, that's fine. I've got no issue with that at all. Okay, that's you identifying the problem. Okay, now let's find a solution. What is the solution? I don't know, but it has to go. It's not good enough. You put yourself in a predicament that Ann Budge is in right now. And I, I, I think we've seen enough and we've heard enough from Ann Budge over the last few years. When she came in, she and I listened to a couple of the other podcasts and were saying she didn't save hearts. Well, she put her money where her mouth was. No one else was prepared to do that, right? If you're prepared to put your money where your mouth is, you can you can control what is going on. But she came out. The crucial thing is she said, I'm not a football person. That is our problem. Ultimately, she's got the final say whether our head coach stays or goes. That is an issue with the structure. So that is one of the, the, the biggest problems I've got here. Mm-hmm. There's only... Uh, there's only a point of getting rid of someone if you've got a better option in place. The one thing I've been thinking about all week, what if the next man fares no better than Robbie Nielsen? You then have Craig Levine, Daniel Stendel, Robbie Nielsen, and next man up, and they all end up with failure. What then? You identify Alex Neal. He's worked with Joe Savage at Preston, right? He'll do. Well, I'm not having Derek McInnes. Whoever it is, right? And everyone's entitled to their pin. Whoever is next, what if the next man up is no better than what we have right now? Where does that leave us? I, I understand your point. I mean, I, I suppose. I mean, if I look at the if I look at the Nielsen situation now, um, one thing that's frustrated me, and I, I, the media aren't maybe saying what you're saying there, but a lot of the the media reaction, so not those directly involved with Hearts, you know, whether it's John Collins, Craig Levine, Stephen Presley, or the hosts on, on BBC shows, there's a lot of this, you can't call for a manager to be sacked off the back of one or two games like this, off the back of one result or the back of two results, but it isn't just that though, 
with Robbie Nielsen. You know, you, you've said it. So you know, the majority haven't. It's not like just because the majority of fans haven't called for him to be sacked before the last ten days, and I think that's right. I think there was still a majority wouldn't again wouldn't have said I fully back Robbie Nielsen, but they would have said you don't sack him yet. You know, we're still top. Um, okay, the Alloa result was bad. We've not been performing that great, but we're still heading up, and you know we've got the Scottish Cup to play for, etc. Um, but there has to be a point where it becomes the topic of discussion, or at least the major topic. You know, now we feel like he has to go. There has to be that point, unless you call for someone to be sacked for a long, long period of time, like the Craig Levine one, and it got to breaking point. So I think fans on the whole didn't cross that line for a lot of months because. We were still top, we, we kept using the argument, we were still grinding out some results, albeit a lot of the games we weren't, we were still dropping some points. And we were on the side of there being mitigating factors as well, you know, a lot of the previous squad, the pandemic, teams sitting in against us. But there still will be enough of, enough is enough moment, I think. Not a knee-jerk reaction. And I think that's I what the likes of Brora and then the Queen of the South games were. I, I, what I was going to say to you there is, I understand, you know, and don't get me wrong, a lot of people have gone too far and you were going to mention the Foundation of Hearts. So whether it's Foundation of Hearts, whether it's Anne Budge or anyone else, a lot of abuse that's been dished out is, you know, it's well over the top and that isn't the way to go around about things. But that doesn't mean that the the majority feeling this way can't still be taken into, into account. So we did a poll, well, 100%. We did a poll 100%. on Scarves Around the Funnel last week. This was after Brora. So this was, I did this about 24 hours after the Brora game. Um, but not before, it wasn't Queen of the South hadn't been played yet. And it, I just put one question, I didn't want comments, I didn't want a big Barney or abuse, I just put, simple question, Nielsen out or Nielsen in? And we got we got about 2,000 people voted on this, and it was 88% for Nielsen out at that point. That's before Queen of the South. Interestingly, I saw Kickback had a poll just yesterday, which is the 31st, um, so Wednesday, um, 31st of March, and they were just a bit over that, almost hitting 90% for their latest poll for Nielsen to go immediately. Now, fans don't make the decision on that, and they can't because it would be a nightmare. You know, whether it's, you know, absolutely United tried to do this, fans voting on decisions, and you just can't do that. Even when Foundation of Hearts take over, they will be able to elect a board member and have an influence in that, but they're not going to be sitting there voting on the manager going or what player to sign or who to play at centre back. But at the same time, if your customer base, which is the fans, if you if you're talking and I think that's a that's how a you know, that's how you would do a poll politics or whatever, you would you would take a, a small a percentage like that and then you you obviously um put that across. So if you're talking about say nine out of ten of your customer base, your supporters, and these are the people that put the money in, if if they are that much they, they want a manager gone it's hard to come back from that. Yep. You know, I, yep. I think it's really hard to come back from that. And I know Anne would not want to... F- I know she doesn't want to feel like she's bowing to mob pressure or whatever. And I get that. But this isn't... you know, A small percentage took it too far. But that doesn't mean that there's not still a majority of people who want that. And I fall into... I have to confess, I fall into that category now. Not because I dislike Robbie Nielsen. I was desperate for it to work and... If he if he got if he lost his job in the next few weeks, I'm not going to hold that against him. You know, he came in, it didn't work. Okay, you know, shit happens. We have to move on. I I reluctantly fall into that when I think now it, it ha- 
that has to happen. Even if I was still felt maybe he could still do a job, it's just so hard to get people back on board. And if you look at timing, now is actually perfect timing. If you look at it commercially, fair enough, you're paying compensation for a coaching team. But I reckon, you know, without sitting and doing maths or projections, you would make up that deficit in people who would maybe renew season tickets and would back the club who wouldn't currently do that. Because I think that a lot of people, and I've spoken to people, and I've not spoken to thousands, I've spoken to people I know, a lot of them won't bother now. They, they, don't, they don't feel the need to. They don't want to get back and mm-hmm. watch Hearts. They don't want to pay for streams. Um, some of them obviously have already paid for them, but people who are paying ad hoc pay-per-view. Um, our season's finished. In terms of disruption, You know, we're, we're not going to get knocked off the top of the league. It's basically one. So perfect time if you've found a new manager to come in, have time to assess the squad, a whole summer to build. Because you know, we don't play another league game. We don't play a league game after the end of April. That's it, done now. Um the problem is, you know, so you have that new man would get a whole summer, put methods in place, get his team built. I understand some people might still say, but you give give the current manager the summer and a round of games. Okay. If you do that, you and we are not in a better position, you're basically writing off next season again as well because you then have to make a change mid-season. Another new team has been built um, and a new guy's going to have to come in, assess that squad, probably say... Not a lot of these summer signings are not aren't my cup of tea, so we need to try and get some away in January. Maybe pay some off at the end of the season. To me, it feels like the the sensible thing to do would be to change it, not just from a PR and a commercial perspective, but from a practical and a footballing sense. And it, it's not easy for me to say that I'm not one of those who is anti Robbie Nielsen. I know somewhere from the start, but I just it's hard for me not to fall into that category, even if it's difficult for me to say it. And it's hard for me as well to to disagree with anything you've just said. I think the fans are perfectly entitled. There's 8,100, just over 8,100 pledgers to the Foundation of Hearts. There's many more thousand that support the football club. And they are all entitled to an opinion. And for them to come back at me and and to say, well, wait a minute here. You're saying, well, we want the manager out, but we don't have a, a plan B. That's not our job. We're fans. We can do that. We put our money in. We're customers. We're not chief executives. We don't have to come up with a, a, a kind of solution. We just know that there's a problem. So, And I get that. that. That's totally fair. So the compensation that would be due, it's difficult to, to kind of know. Um, but a ballpark, I would imagine for the three of them, it's probably going to be about half a million. Okay, Give or take 100,000. Now we have a benefactor, but there's a lot of money that has been, to quote a, a phrase used in one of the other podcasts, pissed up against the wall. And that's hard-earned money from heart supporters that they put into the club and it has not been spent wisely. So, Anne Budge is making the decision. That, I think, is, is ultimately a structural problem in that we need to have someone. She, I would not want anybody else to be um, in that position as far as a business woman is concerned because the business aspect of the football club Okay, she is someone that has made millions out of that. And I think from a purely business perspective, I'm not sure we would be where we are structurally from a business perspective without what she has brought. I think we are way behind where we should be because of her involvement on the football side. So she'll probably admit that she's already admitted the lack of knowledge about football. And it goes back to Levine. And then subsequently, I mean, some Hearts fans say we've not heard from the chief exec. That's not his role. Right? I don't know what he's doing. There's no point in castigating someone because you've not heard from him in the press. 
I'm sure there are many journalists that put calls in. Can we speak to Andrew? And it's probably from his from his perspective or the PR perspective. Well, that's not a good idea. Let's let's just let's keep him out of the the press right now. So no one knows what, what he's doing behind the scenes. He's the chief executive of a football club. You don't go to the chief executive of FTSE 500 or whoever and and say, well, this hasn't been a good performance. Sometimes they'll release a statement, but that's what Anne sure. is doing here. I okay? guess. I guess. Unless you're going to get onto that, what what I was going to say is, but and, and you know she's openly I think and I'm I'm paraphrasing and I'm gonna I'm oversimplifying a little bit, but she kind of said when when um, McKinley came in, he's taken over, he's now overseeing the operational business side of the company, and we'll put a sporting director who's Joe Savage who will do the same in terms of a football sense. So there's kind of two guys below her, sort of. One covering the business operations, one covering the football department, reporting into her. So maybe McKinley wouldn't hear of, but in terms of the footballing side, would you expect to hear from Savage if he's the one who oversees that? Look, it's not the fans' job to identify a solution. But we said right from episode one of this podcast, we will try and identify problems. Some will be harder to identify than others. Some will be a lot easier to identify. We will try and give you a solution. If Hearts go down the road of wanting to replace the current head coach, mm-hmm. for me, that job should be given to Joe Savage. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. As sporting director, he is likely to be the one who identifies the players. There are different setups across Europe in that the manager or the head coach will say to the scout or to the sport director or director of football, quite fancy them. There are other setups. The director of football gets a list of positions from the head coach or the manager, and he then goes out and puts a list to the head coach or manager. Who who do you think from that? There's also the director of football, the sporting director, who makes the decision. The head coach's role is his title, to coach the players that are brought in. The actual structure at Hearts, I'm not sure who's got what say, but you can argue, it's a bit like when when Rangers appointed the manager, then appointed the director of football. The argument would be, I mean, it's ultimately worked there, the argument would be cart before horse, and that if you're appointing a sporting director or a director of football, make him responsible for the entire footballing output. So if there is to be a change... And that, that, from a business perspective, that's something Anne has to work out. If it's going to be compensation of half a million, which has to be kicked in, you then have the salary of the next person, but you're going to recoup a lot of money on season ticket sales. Because right now, I, I mean, five-figure season ticket sales, no chance. That that ain't happening. So well, the one math, thing the just, just to be done. Yeah, a wee bit of maths, just very, and again, very rough fag packet maths. So you're talking, you know, you're doing some rough maths here. Say it was half a million to... To get rid of everyone, all the coaching team. What's that? About twelve hundred season tickets. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and, and obviously, and I, th- I think they'll lose more than that. That's I what I was going to say. I think, thousands. I think you would. Right now, I think if you, if you weighed up and went right, get rid of the coaching team and get someone new in. And do you know what? I think, regardless of how that might end up, I think, or the option is keep the current coaching staff in place. I think you would easily. I reckon you would be talking double that at least difference between season tickets but joe savage has to be in charge oh yeah definitely the appointment of the next coach because he's got to work with that coach now it seems pretty obvious that alex neil who knows if alex neil wants the job because daniel stendel 
ended up out of football for a while before eventually getting back in. Craig Levine's now on Sports Sound on a Monday night. And Robbie Nielsen is in danger of, of losing his job. It, it's, it should come with a health warning. This position could seriously harm your ability to further your career in your chosen sport. Because there's a whole structural issue. I'll go back to that. There's a managerial issue because this season hasn't been good enough. And where I think I would want to, to ask Robbie the question if I was Ann Budge, Brendan Rodgers, when he was at Celtic, improved players when he was at Swansea. Now he's at Leicester. He's a coach who improves players. I don't think Robbie Nielsen, Lee McCulloch to an extent, and, and Gordon Forrest as well, they'll be frustrated, but they haven't improved what they had. They've, they've got some who were already inherited. They've brought their own in. But have they done what Brendan Rodgers was able to do at the clubs he was at? Well, they're not at that level, but coaches should improve players. So that's that's been an issue this season. If you're Robbie Nielsen, put, put yourself in, in the position of Robbie Nielsen. Everyone listening to this, put yourself in the position of Robbie Nielsen. You have to go to see Ann Budge and you have to justify why you should be kept on. The thing that everybody should say, you asked me, Mrs. Chairwoman, my main goal was to get Hearts into the Premiership. I'm on the verge of doing that. Now, that covers a whole magnitude of issues with form and issues with performances and issues with wingers and issues with formation. But ultimately, if you, in your job, whatever you do, I've got a list of things to do, but this list only contains one thing. All right? And who knows what the list contains? But the list only contains one thing. Get promotion ideally as champions, so we are playing, so we can budget for going forward where we're going to be playing, how much we know we're going to get in. I want this to be a one-and-done year. Get us up. So that's going to be Robbie Nielsen's argument. Then you've got the supplementary questions. Why are you playing like this? Why did you lose to Brora? Why are you not getting the results that hope for? Why are we playing this style of football? That's all something that, again... The questions that have to be asked there are questions asked by someone that isn't as au fait about football as other people. But she is the one who put her money in. And she is now putting a structure in place with the chief executive, with the sporting director. But right now, the problem with this structure is we have a head coach who is ultimately a sitting duck. And I think it's gone beyond the point of no return for him. Yeah. You mentioned 88 to 90 odd percent. Of, of fans that say time's up. It doesn't matter what he does. He could win the last few games of the season comprehensively. I'm not sure he'll even win all five. I don't even know if he'll win this weekend at Dunfermline. Now, he knows, having taken this role, that he is the, the ultimate responsibility for how that team performs. They haven't been good enough, so he is culpable for that. The players should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah. I mean, they, they, a lot of them, I'm not going to single out anyone because that's unfair. It's total subjectivity. You see what you see with your own eyes. There'll be some that you think, why is he even there? But a lot of them, at the end of the season, will still have time left on their contract. That goes back to a previous recruitment. This is a bigger picture. This is not just the last seven months since we kicked off in, in September. This is a much bigger picture. This is a picture that goes back years. This is a club that has not been run properly yeah. and with hindsight 
a lot of changes would be made. We don't have hindsight. We now have the future. And a decision has to be made to get the fans back on site. And I think there's only one decision that can be made. It's interesting. You know, we're talking about the structure. And I do remember um, after Craig Levine lost his position and the plan was very clearly, specifically, I'm appointing a sporting director who will then obviously be in charge before we get a manager. But we appointed two managers, basically, before we, before had we appointed, a, yep. Before we had a sporting director. So that, to me, that just alarm bells are ringing about have we got a clear plan with that? And I think I, I, that's the main argument, I think, in ter- for Robbie Nielsen, which which I think he would make and what anyone would make in a job. You gave me one task and I'm going to make and I'm going to complete that task. I, I mean, there's obviously context what I'm going to say with this, but I looked at the last six seasons in the Scottish Championship out of interest, just because I think that was as far back as you could actually just stick in um, in the BBC that particular match day and it would bring up the the table at that point. So yep. 22 games played. And in only one of the last six seasons before this would the, our current points total be more than the team who were actually top. And obviously, there's context to that because if you were in the league, you'd be maybe be taking points off that team that's top. And for two of those six seasons, it was actually Robbie Nielsen's side that were top of the se- top of the league in Hearts and Dundee United. But it's not like we've swept aside a division which is much weaker than some of those previous seasons. There's no Rangers, there's no Hibs, there's not even a Dundee United who are arguably would have been more competitive than the other nine teams that we've had in there. And you've said this for quite a few weeks that we're relying on the teams below us more than ourselves recently to keep us comfortably top of the table. Our um, biggest strength this yeah, season has exactly. been our opponent's weaknesses. But That's not the... something that we should be proud of. We have stumbled over the line. Exactly. And and I think you could then go, okay, but what's the football like on show? What's dreadful to watch? It's been dreadful for a long time, not just the last 10 days. It's just we hadn't got to the point of it being like enough is enough. You know, we've we've talked about it on here. We've criticised the football, but we've said there's mitigating circumstances. Um, we're getting by and, you know, we need to build for next season. But there is a point where that it becomes too much. And I think... You know, one of our aims, and I've not got this the wording in front of me, one of the aims from Foundation of Hearts and from Anne and from the team was youth, the academy. We've talked about on the show recently about the lack of opportunities. We highlighted the fact there's not a single player under 20 who's got us a minute on the pitch this season in the league. We've got the oldest team in the league, the oldest That's average damning. age, 29. Both, both of those things you've just said are damning. This was the perfect opportunity to break someone in, to learn from that exactly. squad average. Yet yeah, we've Scott McGill was on the bench again. I mean, he didn't get on. We, we, I go back to when Rangers were in League Two. They totally went about it the wrong way. Yeah, and it was interesting listening to the sports sound arguments that they've had, and it's been interesting listening to Craig Levine as well. Um, and him being at Tynecastle, I thought was interesting at, at the weekend. There was a lot of interesting things in there. I'm not sure how interesting that actually was. Um, but th- this is a this is a chance missed. And and Craig, Craig Levine's comment that Robbie will have to hit the ground running next season, and if he doesn't, he's in trouble. 
ultimately, the decision has to be made. Does Robbie get to try and finish something? He signed a three-year deal at the start. Does he get the chance to continue for now? But what is the ultimate damage done? We're in an interesting situation at Hearts. There's that word again. We're in an interesting situation because we have a lot of money coming into the football club from supporters. Okay, over 8,100. So here's what the Foundation of Hearts sent out a couple of hours ago. Dear member, as we are all aware, the last week or so has been a difficult time for all Hearts fans. Through that, though, we are really grateful to everyone who contacted us over the last few days. As ever, it's invaluable to hear your range of views. We've tried to respond to emails, but the volume has been huge, so our apologies if you've not had a reply. There have been some recurring themes in the messages we received, so in addition to giving you an update on where we are with pledge numbers, we thought it would be helpful to address these in a general update to Foundation members. First, a number of pledgers who have been in touch with us have attacked the Foundation for not representing the views, as they see it, of Foundation members, and for not making these views clear to the club. Nothing could be further from the truth. Our communications with the club reflect the strength of feelings that pledgers have brought to us and is passed on with no diluting of the emotions expressed. This does not fall on deaf ears, and, of course, the club itself hears from fans and is well aware of people's many opinions. We are able to supplement that and can also report on pledge numbers. Equally, the views of Foundation members inform and shape the standpoint of those who represent the Foundation on the club board. We've also been attacked by some for, to put it bluntly, not firing the manager. As most pledgers understand, the Foundation does not run the club. It is right and proper that the club board makes the final managerial calls. And it is right and proper that the Foundation, through communicating with the club and through our representatives on the board, aims to inform and influence strategies and decision-making. That is what we've done, and that's what we will continue to do when the Foundation becomes the major shareholder at the club. The Foundation has always put forward the message of fan-owned, not fan-run. Foundation members overwhelmingly sanctioned the governance model, which has the concept at its heart, and it remains a pillar of the organization's structure. Sadly, we must also mention that there has been a level of vitriol and abuse in some of the emails and other communications, which is intolerable. This type of attack has been visited on club officials and staff, and we utterly condemn it. Equating passion for a club with this kind of behaviour is totally misplaced. Passion for a club comes in many shapes and forms, but abusing others, many of whom are working on a voluntary basis, is most certainly not one of them. Nearly there. Looking ahead, the board is considering ways in which debate among Foundation members can be encouraged and structured. As mentioned above, we are very appreciative of members taking the time to bring us their views and constructive advice, and we will shortly be looking to create a new post, a Director of Members' Affairs, which we believe will help the communication process, but we are certainly open to other positive developments on this issue. Meanwhile, to update you on pledge numbers and activity, we've seen in recent days around 250 cancellations of pledges. That equates to approximately 3% of the membership. We've also seen some new pledgers coming on board, and that range of activity leaves us with a total number of current pledgers today of just over 8,100. Final paragraph. It is in times of real pressure or challenge that individuals and organisations reveal their true character. This was the case when our club faced possible extinction. The character of the supporters then was unbelievable, 
and has paved the way for the most successful fan initiative in British footballing history. We thank everyone who has been involved in this and who, by pledging, continues to lay the platform for a better future for Heart of Midlothian. Kind regards, Stuart Wallace, Alistair Bruce, Paul Cheshire, Donald Cumming, Gary Halliday and Louise Strutt. Bottom line there is, there's a lot of words. They've put forward their case saying, look, we can only do what we can do. The bottom line is, football fans especially, once you make your mind up, it doesn't matter what happens. It's very difficult, if not impossible, for that mind to be changed. We're at a situation now where approximately, certainly 90% of those who are vocal, i.e. who respond to to uh, polls and, and whatever, have, have expressed their opinion. And a silent majority or minority, who knows? But I would think, I don't think the, the, the numbers would be too dissimilar among that silent majority. So the issue right now is how to take this football club forward. If you stick with the status quo, Robbie Nielsen might turn things around. But at what cost financially to the Foundation of Hearts, to the football club? And you can't just keep going back to your guy that goes deep in his pockets, James Anderson, mm-hmm. and throws more money at something because he's got that money. to. At some stage, he's like, no, no more. So the next step for Hart Midlothian Football Club and for those who run the football club are on the club's board and the Foundation of Hearts is crucial. I agree. And I think, as I've said before, I think... You know, talking about you know a level of vitriol and abuse being intolerable. I mean that that is you know going too far, but you know by a long shot. So I think that's fair enough. You know, if, if they've been getting that abuse and people, some of them volunteers, have been getting abuse, that they highlight that as being unacceptable. I get that, and I don't, I don't put too much onus on the Foundation of Hearts myself. I think I thought their statement after Brora was a bit week it was almost like what's the point in making that statement um one thing i think is dangerous which some people suggested in that last paragraph a little bit you know if you're talking about the character of people revealing true character if it's because some people will react with abuse and vitriol maybe but it kind of suggests that they're talking about the true character being that you keep paying them money and i have not cancel my pledge i'm not planning to do that however i would never i wouldn't question anyone who felt like they wanted to cancel it you know i think everyone is free to to do what they what they think is right what they wish with with their money be that pay it to foundation of hearts be that not pay it to the foundation of hearts i would rather everyone kept doing it no it's not our job but i think one of the things it's it's important that we try and do is find a solution because everyone can identify problems and as i said right at the start it's not up to a Hearts fan to find a solution. If they don't want the manager there, they're perfectly entitled to say that. I'm going to throw something into the mix here and play devil's advocate. Okay. 16th of February, lost 1-0 to Watford. 20th of February, lost 4-0 at Cardiff. Next time out, drew 0-0 with QPR. 27th of February, one win against Huddersfield. The only win in this spell. Next time out, away at Millwall, lost. Next, home to Bournemouth, drew. Then away at Wickham, lost. Away at Middlesbrough, lost. Home to Luton, lost. 16th in the Championship. A run of games which saw just one win in his last nine games in charge. Of that 90%, hypothetically 90%, what percentage of that percentage would think Alex Neal would be the best option to replace 
Robbie Nielsen. Alex Neal may well be the best option to replace Robbie Nielsen. But on the back of those results and on the back of Alex Neal as a manager at Preston having a win rate of only 37.7%, I take you back to the one of the first things I said about 45 minutes ago. What if the next manager, whoever it is, Alex Neal or whoever, fares no better given the circumstances and structure than Craig Levine, Daniel Stendel and Robbie Nielsen, and in 12 months' time, we're faced with another compensation package, or 18 months' time, where we have to pay a half a million to get rid of the next manager. That, to me, suggests the manager, while being an issue, is not the most important problem at the football club right now. It's not the only problem, and it's maybe not the deepest problem. There's other things that have to be dealt with, but I think in terms of right now what can you do and I know what you're talking about with, but the problem is you're saying what if the next guy doesn't work blah blah but then every football club across the, the globe faces that problem at some point and every season there'll be copious amounts of clubs facing that challenge and having to take that take that leap because you can never guarantee anything you know no, of course almost we've any had level that, we've it's... had three that haven't worked though how many are we going to have to have that don't work before we think you know what I'm not okay. sure well, it's all to do with the head coach. There's a bigger picture. This is what I'm trying to say. No, this there is, is just a Robbie there Nielsen is. issue. This is a Craig Levine, a Daniel Stendhal, an Ian Cathro. I can keep going back. It's been the way that the football club has been run over the years, which hasn't been good enough and has left us as a yo-yo club, never mind having the third or fourth biggest wage in Scotland or supposedly the third or fourth biggest club. And... Look at Sheffield Wednesday and a lot of the clubs down south. Look at Leeds United. How long were they out the top flight for? Just because you're a well-supported club doesn't give you the God's-given right to be playing in the, no. the top flight. You've got to earn it. You've got to earn European football. And ultimately, the manager hasn't been good enough this season. The players haven't been good enough this season. But the whole structure of the football no, club hasn't not. been good enough this season. Do you trust the people at the football club right now to make the decision on the next manager? Well, but the thing is, we've not, and we spoke about the fact that, for, for whatever reason, after Craig Levine left, it was highlighted, next step is def we need to get a sporting director in, and then we get the manager to work under them. And that was, I, I, again, I'm not reading things in front of me, but I remember that that was highlighted. That's why it was kind of surprising that we ended up getting a manager in. And I feel, I feel the Daniel Stendhal thing, now, he had a lot of faults and he has to be held accountable to a percent for how things ended up last season. But I really do feel for Daniel Stendhal. And I feel like we kind of hung him out to dry as a, as a club in terms of someone brought in who'd never been at Scotland before, wouldn't have watched much of or any of Hearts or the other teams, took a while for him to even get his own coaching staff. You know, still had Craig Levine and Austin McPhee hanging around. I know for a fact it's people who are still there not were actively working against them. It wasn't like it was a conspiracy, but they did not, you know, they were not overly helpful, shall we say, with the new guy who came in. So I, that's, that's, a, that's a difficult one, I think, to judge. And we were in such a downward spiral. He was maybe too drastic in how he wanted to change things with a squad that just didn't fit that. I get that. But we've not had this new, a new sporting director in when we're re recruiting a manager, which is, I'd be interesting to see if we go, right, we're changing manager. We've got loads of time. Because you know what you could do? You could say, you could appease the fans by saying, you know, Robbie Nielsen's been relieved of his duties. Um, given the circumstances we're in, you know, 
there's a temporary solution. I don't know what that might be, whether it's, you know, Stephen Naismith taking charge, whether whether you even I, I don't think he would do this, whether you say he's got he's gonna be manager till the end of the season. I don't think that'll work given the circumstances. But whether you put one of the coaches, you put Andy Kirk in charge, I don't know. We're in a position where you can afford to do that. So you could say we are gonna take two months and Joe Savage is going to be key in this. We're going to completely revamp and look at how we're doing it. We're going to put a full strategy in place, and it's not going to be... The ultimate decision is going to be spearheaded by him. The problem with that is... And I hear people saying this, and I'm, I think it, but I'm, because I don't know exactly how the structure is currently working, so people are saying, Joe Savage needs to be involved. Not unbudged, Joe Savage. For all I know, lots of what's going on is going through Joe Savage. I don't think, I, I think it's only partially maybe, but that's not, I don't have, I don't know that. I don't know, Joe Savage could be sitting down there and going, and Budge, I want Robbie Nielsen in charge. We don't know, he might be saying that. He might be saying, no, I really believe in him. We've got lots of targets in the summer. Unless someone comes out and says one or the other, which, you, you know, he's not going to come and say, no, I, I don't back Robbie Nielsen. We don't know that. He could be the one driving a lot of this, but just isn't in the press. I don't know. We don't know. We we don't know a lot. We assume a lot, and as they say in this country, when you assume, you make an ass out of you. Exactly, and but that's what I'm saying. But what we do know is, and you've said this yourself, we're now at the point where I think it's a point of no return with the manager, with with your customer base, which will impact not only impact commercially, which is what I guess as a business you have to look at first and foremost, but just as the overall atmosphere, you're never going to get complete unity in football with a, with a football club that has, you know, 12,000 plus season ticket holders. There's always going to be disagreements on players or managers or coaches or results or performances. But you need a degree of, you need a kind of majority of unity, I think. I think you need that for things to work because the atmosphere just becomes toxic. And when fans come back in, it will be awful as things stand, I think. And when you get to a 90% dis- disapproval rating, or a 10% approval rating, I should have said, you, you need some monumental turnaround to recover that. I, I think that's a really good point, Laurie. And when we eventually get back inside Tyne Castle, hopefully sooner rather than later, I don't want fans going there with their enthusiasm having been given the chance to go back to the football for the first time since February 2020, I think it was, to go to Tynecastle, where they spend every second Saturday and have done a lot of them for most of their, their adult life, and some of them even younger than that. I don't want that enthusiasm dampened by the fact that, oh, jeez, I've got to watch this shit, and oh, he's still in charge. What Hart should be trying to do right now, friendships aside, that means you can't, have a, you can't have a clear viewpoint on something if you've got some friendship or, or whatever um, swaying your, your mind. What hearts need is when supporters are back, whether it's towards the end of this year or the start of next year, you want them to have both enthusiasm for being back at Tynecastle and enthusiasm for the product that they will be hopefully watching. And that enthusiasm leads to increased revenue, whether it's season tickets or whether it's commercial 
or whatever it is. That's something that's way above our pay grade right now. That's something they have to decide. The people in charge right now, they weigh up X against Y. What's it going to be? I just don't want the enthusiasm of supporters dampened by something. If 90% of them aren't happy right now, there's going to be that, oh, we get to go back to Tynecastle as opposed to, yes, we get to go back to Tynecastle because we get to see our team again and we get to see there's new hope and everything, whether it's a fresh broom or whatever it is. And going back to that record that Alex Neal had at Preston, concurrently, or sorry, previous to that, his record at Hamilton with a so-called provincial side was a 54% win ratio, having won 42 of 77 games in Scottish football. Someone's been busy on Wikipedia. No, but that's more the level, (laughs) right? Preston's where he, he is unemployed right now because of what happened at Preston. He was unemployed at Norwich because... Sadly, they got relegated and they finished, well, they didn't finish, they were seventh or eighth um, when, when they let him go. He is now, a mu- he's only 39, but he's a much better manager than he was when he was still young. I mean, he was, he was only 30, 31 when he took over Hamilton and he had a good win ratio there. That's more the standard. Forget this, let's see if we can range Celtic top three or whatever. Hart's aim next season is to be top six. So to take a leaf out of what Hamilton did under Alex Neal, where they overachieved, we'll still be paying players next season um, money that they've got with new contracts this season, and they'll not be anywhere. We'll not be the third highest or the fourth highest. There'll be teams in that league. There'll probably be at least four clubs next season who will be paying more money than us. A successful season for Hearts next season will be getting into the top six. Now, there is a history of clubs coming back up from the championship or the second tier as it, as it was before it was titled the championship, and, and overachieving. Livingston did it in 2001, I think it was, and, and other clubs have done it as well. Hamilton are still there. They're one of the bookies' favourites every year to go down, but they are still there. So should we, as supporters, be kind of just looking a little bit more sensibly as to what could be next for Hearts? If Alex Neal was appointed tomorrow, how would you feel? Me, I'd be very pleased. I would be as well. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be happy with an appointment that I think shows that the football club is listening to their customer base. Mm-hmm. Now, the Derek McInnes, then um, they can get to work on replacing the commentator. Well, but if you don't have a ninety percent um, <laughs> disapproval rating, you should be all right. The, the Derek McInnes <laughs> reaction is, is is very interesting. What you find, social media is just a tiny percentage of life. But when you're vocal on social media, everyone has their own people that they follow. And on the Facebook groups, it's the same loud voices all the time. It's usually the angry one, which is fine. I mean, we've, we've had enough to deal with over the last 12 months. If you can't be angry at something. But is that the voice of a whole? Is that a, a, a unity? Is that the voice that most people have? It depends what the situation is here. I think to try and unify the customer base, as you said earlier, is going to be impossible. You can satisfy some of the people some of the time. You ain't going to satisfy all the people all the time. What the Hearts Board's role should be right now is to find a solution that unifies more than it doesn't unify, to try and unify the most possible yeah. people together. to get Because the one thing, Laurie, and I've just said you, you, you can satisfy some of the people some of the time, but not all the people all the time. This is probably the most together that Hearts fans have been, yeah. <laughs> as long as I can remember. Now, yeah, oh, okay. it's funny. I was thinking that exact thing when we were talking about 
we're talking about um where we're talking about unity um which we can't really you know we, we <laughs> i realize that we're we can't really say unify most people because it kind of goes against it but yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's the clo- I get that. we've we've it's the closest to unity we've had is the fact that and there's we've got nine. Yes. That, that most people want a change in in management and um i, 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 yeah, I wonder i wonder if we if if the manager stays in place it'll be the most you could you could make that sarcastic argument if Robbie Nielsen stays as Hearts manager it'll be the most unified or closest to being unified the support has been and um uh, it's tricky because you know we're talking about things and I think you know I think most rational Hearts fans know the level of abuse and and certain actions are not acceptable um the foundation of Hearts is something that most people keep keep supporting and I, I i want to keep doing that i think it's good that a lot of people do i think it's dangerous to start criticizing even if it's maybe lightly criticizing people for not doing that because i think people should be open to you know i'd rather someone cancel their foundation of hearts um pledge and told and told them why in a polite manner rather than just give them abuse i think if they want to, if they felt like that was the only way they get heard then i think that's their their right to do so the, the one thing i would say about this and it concerns the way that the club the structure of the of the the external structure of the football club with the the money being put in i don't quite get what apart from making a point and making a stance i don't really understand this whole well, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna put my my donation on hold. My monthly subscription. I'm gonna put that on hold. Everyone's entitled to do with what they want. And if they feel their money's not being spent, well, I just don't. I think in the longer term, you've signed up to a cause, and you've signed up to something that whoever. I mean, the, the club's always going to be here. The fans are always going to be here. Different generations, but there's going to be different people that are making decisions. So yeah, it's... for for those for those that. That are kind of well. I, I want them out, so I'm not going to. I'm not. You signed up for this. It, it should, like, depending on circumstances, it's a pledge for life, right? For for others, they they might have hardships and they they take that. I get that, but we are setting a very dangerous precedent in that if we've lost 250 of the 8,100, if we were up at nearly 8,400, do we just keep withdrawing pledges if if things go wrong? Yeah, on the pitch, know, that is that is very very dangerous, um, and it's something that the board have to take into account. Um, how much of what is put into the football club by the Foundation of Hearts money is going to the upkeep of the football club, the running of the football club, and how much damage can be done if that eight thousand one hundred suddenly becomes seven or six or yeah. five or, or whatever? That that is dangerous. So I would urge people, if you can. Just to have a, a kind of thought before you decide that's it. You're perfectly entitled to it. I'm not going to sit on a high horse and say, don't do this or whatever. I just think that this is more about the longevity of the football club. Not in the hands of Anne Budge and, and those in, with the foundation or whatever. This is our next generation. And I don't think it'll get to the stage where the pledges go from high four figures to, to low four figures. I just think it'd be a cautionary tale for those that yeah. are thinking just... I'm going to put this on hold because I'm not happy at the way the football club's been run. But in in the other side of things, Laurie, the Foundation of Hearts need to ensure that the money and the people that they are representing, they push the board enough and they get the right answers yeah. 
Because right now, I'm not saying the board's getting away scot-free, but decisions are being made that haven't been good enough for the longevity of the football. It's very complex. Yeah. I, th- I think you make a very good point, and I, I would... I would like you. I'd encourage people to to keep up their pledge. I've you know I've done it. I've not I'm not cancelled it. If you can, if you can afford it. All I was saying before is I think it's dangerous to 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 vilify or criticise people if they feel that's what they want to do because it's no, people's we're, own we're money. Not, we're not doing that. But we're not doing that. I, I get what you mean. I think what I think what needs to happen is there needs to be, like you said, they need to review things so people feel the structure is there, not just you know. Right now, for the foundation to take over and th- that the representation has been heard, and that fans, I think that was a good point they made. Um, what was the role that they said they were they were looking at? Um, I've forgotten what the, the title you mentioned. Um, I've not got it in front of me, but basically, a, almost a liaison that you, you know that fans are being heard, and that that there is a structure there, there is a link. The foundation have a say, and then when they take over, I think it needs to be a clear structure as to okay, what do the fans decide on? When do they vote? Who do they vote on? So that representative is there. So they know, for instance, say this was in a situation where the foundation were in charge and this and the manager was not, you know, it was in a position where they wanted him gone in a similar situation. Okay, what happens then? So the foundation, what's the avenue for them to express that, you know, in a clear and polite and not abusive way? And then what are, if they're not happy with how they're being represented, they know when they can have a chance to change it. Same as you would when when politics. If you don't, if you're not happy with the party or the person that represents your constituency or the party you support, at least you know you can express <clears throat> your grievances. You're not going to stop supporting that party or whatever, but you know that there will be a chance to then have your say in that democratic vote. Most reasonable fans know they aren't going to be voting on decisions. They're going to be voting on a representative who they can then decide and there's maybe other candidates put forward for the next election, the next vote, mm-hmm. so to speak. I, I think that kind of thing, and I know, I know some of it is loosely in place, and I maybe haven't read enough of it recently, but I do think that needs to maybe be made clear, the structure and where we're going with all this, because, again, I think you're right. I think that the whole structure, the way the club has been run, and certainly football sense, needs to be looked at. Okay, I'm going to move on because it's not some, it's not a topic that we have an answer to, and I don't think anyone has an answer to it just now. We've we know what what the majority of fans want, and I think we, you know, maybe been more difficult. We've not really talked along those lines previously, but like I said about the press thing, just because you've not been calling for someone to be removed from their position prior to a couple of games doesn't mean that it's suddenly a knee-jerk reaction and I think it's even those who have been fully supportive of Robbie Nielsen or have at least backed him to get time have gradually aligned with what is now the majority I don't really see the point in talking about the Dunfermline game too much this weekend I think it's it's it feels irrelevant um I'm going to throw something out there a little bit lighter for some homework because I thought of something actually um earlier today uh, for, for, we've not we didn't put homework out there last time. Obviously, we had John uh, John Cahoon on, and I thought since this week, I couldn't think of a, a quiz on um, the times that <laughs> fans, misery. Yeah, a mis- miserable quiz. So what I thought the thing that sparked a bit an idea for me was the fact that I don't know if you saw in the uh, Switzerland Lithuania game 
um, the goal was too big. So they noticed before the game, the, the game actually got delayed because the goal was too was too tall. Um, it was quite funny. They had to get a replacement goal out and then it got caught on the tunnel as they were running out and it almost everyone almost fell over. Very common. Takes me back to Mallorca. Yeah, exactly. That's the, what I was uh, the, the crossbar to the middle of the goal um, wasn't high enough because of the camber in the pitch. Exactly. So um, I, I, that's what it reminded me of Mallorca against Hearts, 1998 in the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, for those younger audience members, that's a, a, a former European competition. Audience members. If audience, people were still Jesus. sat here listening to us two ramble and try and find a solution but failing miserably over the last hour or so, if you're still sat there, oh. um, so what, what would be your, your homework so based my, on that? My homework was going to be the weird the weird and wonderful are the obscure things that you've, you've seen or have happened at Hearts games, the kind of thing. So there's kind of two ways you you could go with. You could go with. Big I remember things. when they scored and they won. That was unusual. <laughs> but you know the things are out of the norm for football generally. Now this could be two things. So it could be similar to the Mallorca thing where it's a big news story on the pitch. You know the type of thing that gets in one of those football stocking fillers. You know we've got like 500 weird stories from football. And that would make it, you know, there's a game between Mallorca and Hart Midlothian where the game was delayed and, you know, there was discussion about the goals because one of them was too small and they measured it. Um, one thing, but the other way it could go is just little funny things that you've seen at the football, the weird things you've seen at football, whether it's on the park or it's off the park. And one thing that, this is completely random, do you remember, I don't know if they still do, I think they do, do you know on Hibs.net, they refer to Hearts fans as yams. <laughs> I've not been on there for years. So they, I think they? they still do, but they used to, okay. used to be a big thing. So they'd have like, if someone was on Hibs.net and they knew that they were an infiltrator, they'd be, they'd be a confirmed yam. Um, I don't know where it started from, but anyway, there was a derby around 2006. And I used to sit in section G, so you're right next to the Hibs fans when it's a derby. It was, it was good fun. You have a bit of back and forward. And Hearts took the lead. <laughs> And someone threw a yam, not at, onto the pitch, <laughs> not at someone in the episode, so it, didn't, it wasn't at anyone. Someone in lower G just saw this yam go flying and land on the pitch in between them. So there's Hearts fans all celebrating and, you know, getting it right up here to the Hibs fans and they're all giving it back in the corner. And there's just this yam on the pitch. Just such, Everyone's like, what? There's a yam on the pitch. Um, and it just amused me. It always stuck with me is because obviously you've had a few drinks and it's just a bizarre intoxicated moment um it wasn't me incidentally but it was funny so just i was trying to think of something that either be from a fan it might be a fan who's dressed up silly or who says something ridiculous or something completely out there happens um or it could be something major like the goals are too are too small just something you're like that was weird so it just it's a bit random so you know you can tweet us at around the funnel you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. It's very, this is very broad. It could open up some, keep it clean, um, you know, keep it that we can talk about. So just a bit different, I thought. I want to, you can end the way you want. I want to end my part by asking you a question of which I will answer the same question. First game of next season. Uh Hearts in the Premiership. Not who do you want to be the manager, but who do you think will be in charge of Hearts on the first game of next season. Robbie Nielsen. I think so as well. So note that down. 1st of April we're recording this. 
Our first show is April Fools. So, <laughs> well, we're, we're, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't start with some April Fool gag. I know. I wish it had. Blew, I up wish in, it had. blew up in your face. Um, regardless of who we want, I think I think it'll be Robbie Nielsen as well, and it'll be very interesting to see what Hearts fans think about that. But my God, one slip up, and if that is the case, I mean, he's got no room for error. If that is the case. If it's okay, let, let's let's an addendum to that. If it's not Robbie Nielsen, then who do you want it to be? <laughs> you just said you weren't going to ask that. I have now. I've changed my mind. I, I, it's very difficult, and I, I don't like the question. I, I, it's never like it's one of these things. I don't like it. You you have said it before as well. You know, don't just say you want the manager gone. Come up with this because it, you don't know what managers might be out there or who might how they might interview or who might have some certain ideas or there might be someone you've never thought of who manages in a different country who might be really keen and has some great ideas i don't think that's down to the fans to suggest an alternative and you know daniel stendel is not someone i knew the name no he didn't even appear in the next manager better but i had no left field yeah so i don't i've never liked that as a thing that you have to give an alternative. I think it's down to the club to interview, go through the recruitment process, listen to ideas, see there might be someone out there who you're like, oh, never heard of him, but look at that track record in, in whatever league or country. Oh, he likes that kind of football. He's great at developing youngsters. Oh, okay. You know, so I, I, I don't... Do you know if it's Robbie Nielsen? I, I would want it to work and I'd want everyone to be able to get behind it. You know, I'm not one who is anti-Robbie Nielsen and will never buy into that again i don't think it will work is my opinion and i think the right decision would be to make the movement now to get rid of him if it did start working i'm not going to be one who because i know some people will never forgive him i want hearts to be playing well winning games i want to go and enjoy football if that's happening i don't care so much if it's robbie nielsen or whoever is in charge there will be some that will never i don't think there'll be i think there'll be some that won't be able to get to that point and i think that's where it gets difficult Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back. Wake up. Wake up. We'll be back next week, and we might talk about Dunfermline. We have a special Sam. guest next week. Oh, who's it next week? Next week, and 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 I'm glad because hopefully, if it is another shite result, we don't have to talk about football. Next week, um, we have one of it's not Jerry Maguire, but we have the agent of the highest earning female sports star in the world joining us we have naomi osaka's agent stuart duguid who is a massive jambo now living the life out in los angeles and waking up at stupid o'clock 7 a.m every saturday morning for a three o'clock p.m kickoff and he'll be joining us and we'll talk obviously about hearts and, and various other things as well and and see if we can get either Naomi Osaka or IMG, who he works for, involved in putting a little bit of cash into hearts to make us by far the greatest team the world has ever seen once more. So it seems a long way to go, but that's next week. Here's hoping. Until then, thank you for listening.